Greenbush serves learners of all ages by working with schools, communities, and agencies statewide to ensure equal educational opportunities for all. This podcast will focus on the best part of our organization, the people. With nearly 500 employees, we have a lot of good people, and this will be a way for us to shed some light on the amazing things that they are doing. Welcome to the good people of Greenbush. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Good People of Greenbush podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Williams, and on this episode, the doctors are in the house. We have two audiologists and Carrie Caulfield and Allison Worsler. We talk about current practices in the audiology world and how they arrived at their current positions, and we even snuck a Seinfeld reference and an amazing pun into this episode as well. I hope that you have as much fun as I did getting to know Carrie and Allison. Ladies and gentlemen, I have once again found a duo of amazingly good people from Greenbush. I am excited to be joined today by two audiologists. We have Carrie Caulfield and Allison Worsler. Thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Yes. Thanks, Ronnie. Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. So we have your name. We want to go kind of rapid fire job titles because... You might have some specific job titles, I'm not sure, but we just want to establish that real quick. So, Carrie, what is your job title? Um, educational audiologist here at Greenbush, and, and in addition to that, I'm also our autism team leader. Oh, awesome. Very cool. I love that. Allison, how about you? Um, educational audiologist. Nice. And let's talk degrees and credentials that you hold, Carrie. So I have a bachelor's degree from KU, woohoo, rock chalk. Rock chalk. Um, <laughs> and then I also have uh, my doctorate from KU. Um, it's a clinical doctorate, and that was, um, I guess I graduated with that in 2013. Oh, very cool. Yeah, big fan of the Jayhawks. Uh, it sounds like they're a big fan of you as well. You've dedicated a lot of time and money to that university. <laughs> Allison? <laughs> Um, I did my bachelor's um, at Missouri Southern in Joplin, um, and then I got my same thing as Carrie, um, doctorate of audiology at Missouri State in Springfield. Awesome. And what did you guys get your uh, bachelor's degrees in? Uh, mine's in biology. Okay. Oh, cool. Uh, mine's in speech language hearing. That's awesome. I, I am officially intimidated. I am, I'm joined by two very, 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 very smart individuals. <laughs> I have no doctorate. I've got the master's, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> so uh, we were talking before the show started about our commutes, and you guys have pretty lengthy commutes, but where do you kind of call home base home for you? We know that you kind of work at the Greenbush Girard office, but where are you located at in the world, Carrie? I live in Iola, um, just north of Girard, about an hour, so it is a little bit of a commute here, but it's nice because we also um, have a Topeka site, and so I can also head north when needed. That's a beautiful drive. Go Mustangs. <laughs> Allison, how about you? Um, I am from Joplin. I live in Joplin currently. Um it's a pretty lengthy drive out here to Girard, but um, some of the schools that I 
um, go out to are pretty close to home. So like Galena, Baxter, Springs, Riverton, um, those are all within like a 20 minute drive for me. And I would imagine a huge perk is that you're right there next to Target. That is, a, <laughs> yes, that is correct. I frequent Target. Yes, we are all fans of the almighty Target. <laughs> guests can choose a random icebreaker question. You guys have chosen what Enneagram type are you? And I'm going to expand upon that. I want to know exactly what that says about you and whether or not you agree with your specific Enneagram type. Carrie, lead us off. Um, my Enneagram type is seven, which means I'm an enthusiast. Um, and I am definitely probably known for that, like always quick to join in on social situations. I never want to miss anything. Um, I would say it's, it's pretty accurate. I kind of consider, I mean, I guess I'm kind of a social butterfly. So, um, yeah, I would say that's that's very accurate. Um, except for I think the Enneagram Seven is also known for being like a little disorganized, um, and I don't know that that's really the case for me. But but yes, I am an enthusiast. <laughs> very cool, awesome, Allison. How about you? So um, whenever we were trying to decide which icebreaker we were going to do, I went ahead and did the Enneagram test. Is it pronounced Enneagram? Mm -hmm. And um, I got a six as my first, which is the loyalist. And then it gave me a second option, which is a nine, which is called the peacemaker. And it's actually funny because Carrie like guessed which ones I would be and she was spot on. She picked six and nine, which was really funny to me. Um, she's like the Enneagram guru over here. Um, it is fun. Well, some characteristics of the loyalist, it says, Committed, security-oriented security type, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. So I guess that's what I am. Okay. Watch out, folks. Allison might be a little bit suspicious. We'll, we'll keep our eye on her. <laughs> Apparently. And then I can also, some of the peacemaker characteristics are easygoing, self-effacing type, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and complacent. Nice. They throw in like five or six positives and then they hit you with that yeah. one that's kind of like yeah. Ooh, complacent. I don't know about that. Because yeah. <laughs> I was agreeing with that one for me. I'm I'm big time white on color code. So I, I figured I'd be peacemaker for Enneagram. And I was like, yeah, like peacemaker, peaceful, you know, and then complacent. I was like, now wait just a second here. <laughs> Come on. So that's that's funny. That's interesting. Have All right. Taking the Enneagram test, Ronnie? I th I'm pretty sure that I have. I was we were kind of talking about this before the show started, and I think that I have, and I'm I'm pretty sure that I was the peacemaker, but yeah. it's been a little bit since I've taken. I'll have to go back and revisit that. D is does the Enneagram do do they recommend that you take that test thinking about a specific stage of your life, or is it like current? Because with color code, that's always a struggle with people. Because with that, you're supposed to think about yourself, like your earliest memories of yourself. So how is it for Enneagram? I'm not sure. I think it's as, as a child, I okay. think, but don't quote me on that. Yeah. 
All right, Kara, I mean, you're, you're going to be the expert on this. People are going to be coming from far and wide to, to get their Enneagram it, knowledge from you now. It is fun, though. And I do think, like, I think the color code's great, but the Enneagram has more personality types, right? And I think it's, like, very valuable to know those that you work with closely or even, like, your spouse, what their type is, because some of your frustrations you can then, like, think about a little more deeply like oh that's just their personality type like yes they don't want to go to this social gathering they would prefer to stay at home today like you know you just gotta i i don't know i think it's helpful and it is helpful to to know like we have another audiologist shelly bodensteiner and her enneagram type is also peacemaker so you kind of know that peacemakers aren't always going to stand up for themselves and so some you know it's just it's important to kind of know those things about, you know, those that you work with closely. I, I couldn't agree more. I've, I've used the color code so many times with, with people that I've interacted with, especially with work. It just tells you a whole lot about somebody without really even having to know them right out of the gate. So that's, that's good stuff. I'm, I'm with you on that. So let's transition and let's talk about your work that you're doing at Greenbush, very meaningful work, but we kind of want to understand well, what is an audiologist? So if you guys could kind of talk about what that is and, and what it is that you guys do day to day at Greenbush. So we are um, kind of a unique program in the state, quite honestly. Um, we, you know, our job title is educational audiologist, meaning that we go out and about, we're in the schools, um, children with identified hearing loss, we make sure we have all the supports in the classroom that they need, whether that's accommodations written into their IEP, or maybe that's technology that they need to be successful in the classroom and other places in school. Um, that's kind of our role there. And then also relaying what you know, what the implications of hearing loss are to the academic team. Um, it's an invisible disability, and I think it's um, it oftentimes gets overlooked. So we're just advocates for the children. But then um, the other side of that that's unique is we have a clinic here. Well, we actually have two clinics. We have one here at our Girard location, and then this summer, July of 2022, we opened up a clinic location at the Tart Campus in Topeka. And so our clinic locations, we offer full diagnostic audiology services um, from newborns all the way up to 18, 21 year olds. Um, as long as a school is in, or as long as a child is enrolled in school, they can come to the clinic and get their hearing checked. We perform ABRs at both of our clinic locations, which that is the acronym for auditory brainstem response testing. So that's the test we use to identify hearing loss in babies. That's kind of beyond what typically we think of as an educational audiologist role. But as I said, we have our clinic in Topeka that does the same thing and then down here. So whenever I think about an audiologist, of course, I'm, I'm flashback to elementary grade school and we learn that we're going to take this really super cool test. We're going to go and we're going to visit with somebody that we'd never seen before. It's going to be in a nice, quiet room. They're going to put some headphones on us, and there's going to be a series of beeps, and we're supposed to raise our hand whenever we hear this series of beeps. 
Now, uh, I've gotten up in my years since that test has occurred. So I'm curious, does that test still exist or has it evolved into something else currently? Nope, we still we still do that. I did that yesterday and I did it some last week. Um, yeah, that's a big chunk of our job during the school year is going out to the districts and performing the follow-up hearing tests for the kids who didn't pass their hearing screening um, with the nurse. Yep, still putting those big headphones on. And listening I mean, to beeps. we have made a little bit of an upgrade. We have a push button so they can push the button when they hear the beep. Okay, all right. That is true. I like to stick to the hand raising uh, model. <laughs> Let's um, But for the little ones too, sometimes we have to use toys and make it fun, like into a game for them. So, have you ever seen the Jerry Seinfeld bit about that that hearing test? No, I haven't. <laughs> he, he talks about, I'm pretty sure it's Jerry Seinfeld. It might've been Brian Regan. It's it's one of those comedians, uh, but he talks about how he's like really excited and he's going to just pass this hearing test with flying colors. And he, he raises his hand just like quicker than anybody else ever has. And then he leaves and in, he's acting like the, he's the audiologist being like, can you believe that kid? He had like superhuman hearing abilities. It was just incredible. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> like all the things that I was thinking as a kid, like I really nailed that hearing test. Like it was, it was awesome. <laughs> but usually I would imagine you guys are kind of on the other end of the spectrum where it's like, okay, we've got somebody that is maybe not hearing as well as, as what we would hope to do. So I think kind of the next question that I would be wondering is like, what is the the process? So do you guys go out into schools just like do you schedule that or do they call you and say, hey, we might have somebody that is is experiencing some issues. And then after you go and you visit with them and you identify that maybe there's a little bit of a need there. What's kind of the next step in that process? If you guys could kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, I mean, typically after we've done the hearing test at the school and we're finding a hearing loss, usually Kind of the next step is, at least for me, and it, I'm sure it varies from audiologist to audiologist, but I'll have them come to our Greenbush Clinic to do like a comprehensive evaluation in our sound booth. And then if I'm getting the same results, then we'll talk about, you know, the possibility of, well, depending on the type of hearing loss, if it's a permanent hearing loss, we'll talk about the need for potentially some hearing aids, and then we'll refer them on. Um, to the appropriate um, audiologist from there to get those fit. Um, but yeah, if the hearing loss is temporary, if it seems like it's due to like middle ear fluid, we'll send them to their doctor or an ear, nose, and throat doctor and kind of go from there. Cool. Carrie, anything to expand on there? No, not really. Allison did a great job summarizing. Um, that is, you know, the reason why we have our clinic here is because we, um, the nearest pediatric audiologist is Wichita, Joplin, Kansas City. And so for some of our kids, that's a really big hike. So we're kind of, we've met that need um, here, but that is one thing we do not do is fit hearing aids. Right. That's a good thing to clarify too, is we have to send them on to one of those uh, pediatric audiology sites, but we like to bring them here first to um, test in our sound booth. Gotcha. Very cool. We talked about how you guys have these 
amazing degrees. You've worked tremendously hard to get to the positions that you're in. I'm curious how you wound up getting interested in audiology because your um, your bachelor's degrees, you know, like they were were different paths for sure. So I'm interested in in how audiology became a thing for each one of you. I'll let Carrie go first. <laughs> um, this is humorous. Um, so I wouldn't expect anything less from somebody with an enneagram such as yours, Carrie. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> So yes, part of my Enneagram is you're spontaneous sometimes. Um, and I would say that that was a little bit the case for me. Um, I originally went to KU thinking I wanted to be a pharmacist and um, organic chem, whew, difficult. Um, so, and then um, I actually started like tutoring children and I realized I wanted to work directly with kids and so kind of led me down a few different paths eventually I thought I would be a speech language pathologist and then um it's the pre the same prerequisites to become a speech pathologist as an audiologist at least at KU and um anyways I could not decide I couldn't decide I had to overnight all of my audiology graduate applications because I could not decide. <laughs> um, so that is why I am here as an audiologist. Um, but honestly, I think I would have been happy being a speech pathologist too. Um, both are great careers. So um, yeah, that's kind of my story. <laughs> that is fun. Awesome. Allison, how about you? Um, so I knew I wanted kind of like Carrie I knew I wanted to work with kids and I knew I also wanted to work in the healthcare field in some capacity um so that's why I did the biology track um during my undergrad and then my dad has or used to have a hearing loss and it's been corrected since then but um that kind of just got me thinking about um different fields where I can work with hearing impaired people. And I kind of just stumbled upon audiology and I thought it would be a good fit. So here I am. I also <laughs> was able to take a sign language class during my undergrad. And that also kind of solidified the desire to work with hearing loss. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I got here. <laughs> It's weird how we wind up in the positions we are. I mean, we we I I changed my major three different times before I finally landed on English education, and you know, even then, until I got into the classroom, I didn't know exactly you know exactly what I was getting into. So it's it's cool that I think all three of us are doing something that we're really passionate about and really happy about, and uh, is is really fulfilling. So the path was winding and zigzagging, Carrie, but but we got there. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> We got here. <laughs> I don't know that we established the name of the department that you work for and how many years you've actually been at Greenbush. Carrie, you can go first. Sure. So um, I, I work for the special services department. Well, we both do. Um, and I came here pretty much right after um, as an audiologist in graduate school for audiology, you complete a one-year externship. And so I did my externship at Children's Mercy in Kansas City. And then immediately following that, I um, started working here. So I guess it was my first like real big girl job. Um, and I've been here almost 10 years now. Very cool. Kind of similar for me. Um, 
This is my first big girl job too. <laughs> grad school. I've been here for a year and a half now. And yeah, basically came here right out of grad school. She mentioned the externship. I did my externship um, at the Tulsa Health Department in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So that's where I was before I was here. Um, but yeah. Let's talk about passions and what it is that gets you out of bed in the morning and makes you excited to make that 50 minute to an hour long drive to come to Greenbush and do what it is that you do so well. I mean, it sounds cheesy, but I'm passionate about seeing, you know, my students grow and learn and succeed and just helping them in whatever capacity that I can. <laughs> I would say that that's, that's the opposite of cheesy. Like that's the response that almost everybody has had that I've interviewed <laughs> for this podcast. But I mean, it's, it's true. Like why else would you get into education other than to make a difference in the lives of, of students? So not cheesy at all. Wear that with, with honor. <laughs> uh, I would agree with Allison. Um, you know, after being here for 10 years, I think about like some of the first kiddos that I had on my caseload and just how much they've grown and their language and you know they're they're like little humans now you know out their high school and middle school and um it is really awesome to see that um and know that you have a little bit of an impact there mm -hmm. um but in addition to that I think Greenbush is honestly we've got a great group here and I love coming to the office because I know it's always you know I'm going to be a little entertained when I get here. <laughs> you will not be surprised to learn that I find it not shocking at all that you work with good people at Greenbush. I literally started a podcast just so I could talk <laughs> with all the good people. <laughs> so you talked more generally there, Carrie, about how you get to interact with students and how it's really cool whenever amazing things are happening. I'm curious to know, is there a specific success story uh, within each of your careers? It's interesting, you know, Allison has not been in this job very long, whereas Carrie's got, you know, 10 years of experience to draw from, but I bet each of you probably has that little moment where a student or somebody you worked with had that light bulb moment and it just really clicked. So if you have a story like that, we would love to hear that. Well, I think we have a very similar story. Okay. You know, I've been doing this a little bit longer than Allison. So you see like the longevity, like your decision, this one decision, maybe early on how that impacts a child later. One thing that's kind of um, unclear about hearing loss that I think is important for people to know is that we want to identify hearing loss early and we want that to occur early so kiddos can get amplification or whatever they need in order to access language. If you think about how children learn all that incidental language that they pick up on early in life, they have to be able to hear that, right? They have to hear all of it. Um, and that in turn helps them, you know, appropriate speech and language skills, but Long term, it's like, you know, their social awareness, um, their social skills in general, their reading, and then, you know, even more long term, you know, how successful they are in the academic world. Okay. So kind of, you know, going back to that success story, I guess we'd say is um, early on, I had a little girl who was entering preschool and she um, was born deaf, but we have amazing technology called cochlear implants. And 
Um, those work to help deaf individuals hear like we do, um, those with normal hearing. And so she spent the first few years of her life with, um, she just had inadequate cochlear implant use. And, um, you know, as I said, she had these huge language gaps. And um, so early on, you know, we, you can never make up those language gaps. We will never be able to make all of that up, but, you know, they enter preschool and we start doing like auditory training and, you know, everyone on the academic team is working to help fill the void, this language void. And, um, you know, now this little girl is um, a young adult and, she's doing so well. And it's just one of those moments you're like, oh my gosh, we, we did really, we did right by this child. We, we did all we could. And she's hopefully going to be like a successful human. <laughs> That's got to be such a unique, beautiful thing about your position. Like you said, Carrie, being able to work with students from a very young age and just kind of see that progress year after year after year, you know, your, your general education teacher, you know, they get to see growth during a very, short time span of a student. It's it's just here and then gone. But you guys get to see that over years, which I'm sure is just very rewarding, like you were saying. Allison, do you want to expand on that? Yeah, I have um, a couple of students with almost the exact same story as the one Carrie just described. Um, it's, it's just really cool to see them make those speech language gains um, and knowing that you had a part in it. And um, yeah, and then like I said earlier, you see small victories every single day um, that really add up. Like if one of my younger students puts their hearing aid in on their own without any help, or they wear their hearing aids all day, like I consider those pretty big wins too in my book and things like that happen every single day. So a couple of questions occurred to me while you guys were talking, and I, I must ask them, have you ever heard of the movie, The Sound of Metal? No, I have not. What's that about? Oh my gosh, put that on your watch list. So <laughs> this is a movie, I think that I watched it on Amazon. Uh, it's about a heavy metal drummer who is, is going to have an amazing career. He's just really excellent at drumming, but very suddenly he loses his hearing. And so he has to cope with, well, I'm in time of keeping time signature in a band, so it's very important for me to hear. And so he essentially has to break himself all the way down and figure out how he can continue to uh, strive towards his passion of making music. The Sound of Metal. Got to watch it. It's cool. It's fantastic. It's really good. Yeah, it sounds awesome. There are a lot more movies being made even about like just the deaf culture too. What was the popular one on Apple TV? I can't think I got one. Coda. Oh, Coda. Um, that that offers some insight into, you know. Yeah. I have seen a lot more representation for the um deaf community on TV recently. The like, have you seen The Quiet Place? Mm -hmm. That one what the main character is um a girl with cochlear implant. Um it's kind of a horror movie, but I really like it. It's pretty cool. It's creepy. Yeah. it's creepy. It's creepy. It's got uh, Jim from The Office in it, John Krasinski. You've seen it too then, Ronnie? Yeah, there's two of them. I've seen both oh. of them. They're, they're pretty good. They're really good. And I like how she ends up being the hero at the end. I mean, spoiler alert. Wow. <laughs> and it's like she uses her, techno her 
cochlear implants to like basically save the world. So, I mean, it's pretty. Yeah. Literally a superhero (laughs) with the cochlear implant. I love that spin. It's like, like that would be tough. You know, you're working with a kid and you're like, Hey, I've got this model that like, don't be afraid of the cochlear implant. Like you can be a superhero, but then it's like, I don't want to suggest that the student, you know, watches this movie when they're like four years old, it'll scare the bejesus out of them. (laughs) I think it's rated like, it might be rated R, so they might have to wait it's, a little bit for that one. It's got to be rated R. It's <laughs> it's pretty gruesome and, and so good, super cr- like the way that they have those parts of the movie where they just drown out all of the sound and kind of you know like make it feel like you're deaf as well and just like build that tension. Mm-hmm. Really good, Carrie. You have to watch that. You like it? So put it on the list. <laughs> yep, your, your to watch list has grown uh, by two at least from this <laughs> podcast. Uh, Another question that I'm curious about, I am a lifelong lover of music and, and more specifically, I love going to concerts. Do you guys recommend wearing any kind of uh, protective gear for going to concerts? Musicians earplugs, they're great for concerts, but you can also, you know, like maybe just avoid staying away from uh, like the big speakers. (laughs) See, I have a concert coming up where this is going to be a problem for me. Um, Taylor Swift. I'm a big Swiftie. <laughs> so um, I might need to invest in some musicians' earplugs because I've got I've got four seats. Okay. It's gonna be loud. But I'm excited. Nice. Yeah, we better get some made for you. I've got a concert I'm going to next month. My favorite band is Hot Mulligan. You guys have probably never heard of them. They're like uh like growing up, I was a big Blink-182 fan. Everybody knows that band. So they're kind of sort of in a very similar genre. Um, mm-hmm. And whenever I went, this will be the fourth time that I've seen them. But the last concert that I went to, uh, I was wearing earplugs. And there was a mom that was probably around my age, like two spots down. And she was just miserable, like holding her hands over her ears uh-huh. and her daughters, you know, like freaking out, having a great time. And I brought an extra pair of earplugs uh, that were like all sealed and I gave them to her and she was just like, thank you so much. I was like, I am a hero. I'm an audiology hero. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. I definitely do try to keep foam ones, you know, yeah. around for yeah. sure. But yes, I will say if you're going to bring your baby to a concert, you should for sure put some headphones on them. Mm-hmm. But- <laughs> And that that brings up my next question. Do you guys have any advice as far as what kinds of headphones people should or should not be using? Like, are you guys okay with earbuds? Do you prefer the ones that kind of fit around your ears? Do you have any opinions about this at all? (laughs) I don't have an opinion as far as recreational headphones, but I we have to use different types of headphones when we do hearing testing. And I do prefer the smaller um, earbud type for that. But yeah, I don't know, Carrie. I don't think the type matters so much as like the volume level. So we typically, I mean, actually, I just had this conversation with a child yesterday. Um, Just keep it when it's a personal device like that, try to keep it at like 50% or, you know, halfway volume. Um, But, you know, for some kiddos, that's one ear, one in one ear, out the other, you know. So, ooh, that's a good audiology pun. Yeah, I like it. it. Ooh. Oh my gosh, Carrie, you yes, I understand the enneagram very well now. <laughs> that is fantastic. I think there are some headphones 
I think Apple does it where you can restrict how loud um, you can make the volume. Those are nice because, you know, you don't want to be listening at too loud of a volume for an extended period of time. So for sure. So let's imagine uh, a scenario where maybe somebody is listening and they're thinking, I've seen some red flags about either my child or my student, and I would be interested in pursuing some further testing and information from, from you fine people. What's the next best step for somebody that's maybe in that situation? Our, our clinic is um, open for any child zero to 21 um, that is, you know, falls within our kind of like nine county catchment area down here. So you don't have to have a physician's referral. You don't need anything special. You can just call Greenbush and request a hearing test. And, um, we have you covered. That's awesome. I, I love it when it's nice and easy like that. And if you are listening and you do want to call, I will have the phone number to reach them in the podcast show notes. And we do have, this is my little plug for our new location in Topeka. We also have a, you know, there at the TART campus in Topeka, same thing. We offer hearing tests. The age range varies just a little bit up there, but we would be happy to help if you have any questions. Very cool. Okay. We're winding down and I just want to give you guys one kind of final opportunity to put a bow on the episode here. If there's anything you want to talk about, anything you want to plug, anything that you want to say about your position and the great work that you're doing, now is the time. So I'll turn the mic over to you guys. I mean, I don't have much else to say. I love working here. It's a really great um, work environment and I'm really glad that I found Greenbush. Amen. Yeah, I, I have the same sentiment. I enjoy working here, really couldn't imagine working anywhere else. And just the educational field in general too, you know, not always roses, but I think what we do here does have a big impact on a lot of children. Absolutely, it does. Carrie and Allison, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being guests on the Good People of Greenbush podcast. Thanks, Thank Ronnie. <laughs> Carrie and Allison were awesome to get to know a little bit better. The passion that they have for the work that they do is unquestionable. Carrie and Allison and the rest of the audiology team are at the ready to lend a hand. So if you would like to get in touch with the team, regardless of your location, you can give them a call at 620-724-6281 and they will be happy to help. If you have any questions or suggestions for the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at ronnie.williams at greenbush.org or at Ronnie Loves Tech on social media. Thank you for listening to the Good People of Greenbush podcast.